Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. I'm so thankful for today. It's Father's Day, which means we are eating a ton of bacon and drinking dad's root beer and having a, an all-around glorious day. And uh, I look forward to bacon day all year. I don't know why. Because I can eat bacon all the time, but I eat an especially large amount today. Uh, but I'm thankful for a church that loves to have parties and loves to invite people to the party so that we can love people more. And I love to be a church that cares for people in need and who likes to give away food. Our, our pantry uh, this last time uh, had record numbers. It was nonstop. I know there have been some Saturdays where we've had just a few cars roll through and we've kind of stood around. We, we would not have made it without the volunteers who showed up because of so many people. And I think as the world gets anxious, uh, about food and other things. Uh, churches can be on the forefront of expressing God's generosity to the world. So I'm thankful for a church that's so generous and that wants to give to people who are in need. And I'm thankful that we're a church that prays. And uh, we're uh, coming up in July, I'm gonna start a, an online class called Listening to God, which is similar to, but different from the ones we've done in the past. And so it'll be four Sunday nights in July where we get to talk about prayer together. So I'm thankful that we're a church that loves and that cares for the poor and that prays. That's a, that's a good church. That's what we're supposed to be. Today, we're gonna to continue in our series called Encountering God. Because through the course of this summer, if we do nothing else, I want us to focus on encountering God, on, on having a firsthand experience of God's presence in our lives. Because remember, most of us grow up with kind of a secondhand experience of God. We, we hear about God from our parents and they say, God's there, so you better behave. And we hear about God from the pastor and the pastor says, God's there, so you better tithe, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and we hear about God even from politicians who say, God is there, so you better vote for me. But it's all secondhand. We get it from other people. And sometimes we say, yeah, well, maybe so. And sometimes we say, well, maybe not. But, but as long as it's secondhand, there's a, there's a, there's a gap in our in our faith life, in our experience of God. And so I want to look at biblical texts which show us people having a firsthand experience of the presence of God and talk about what that means for us. I, I know when I think of secondhand things, I, I think about the fact that my, my son grew up with older cousins. So they were bigger than him, which means they got to buy the clothes first. And my son got all the hand-me-downs. We saved so much money by having a child who was younger than his cousins. They passed down the clothes from generation to generation, and he didn't get to pick them. And as a consequence, the clothes that he wore were kind of eccentric. Like he'd show up for school here in Glendora with a bright orange shirt that said, Orange County Elementary School something something. And he had never been to an elementary school in Orange County. But that's how hand-me-downs work. That's how secondhand clothes work. And I remember when we finally let him pick some clothes for himself, when he finally got to go online and search at clothes and look at what he wants to wear, he got for himself a, a, a pair of sweats with a jacket that was a bright, obnoxious 
orange and yellow and red sweatshirt with the, the outside of a, a ramen noodle package printed on it. He looked like a giant ramen noodle package walking around. And the pants matched bright yellow and red and orange obnoxious pants. And he walked around like that. Only if you go to Walmart after midnight and look at the patrons there would you see clothes like this and nowhere else. And he walked around in this sweatsuit at school calling himself Ramen Boy. And we thought, oh no, we've ruined him. We waited too long and now he can't dress himself because he's only ever had secondhand clothes. <laughs> Well, some of us have only a secondhand faith. We have a faith that was handed to us by other people. And when it comes to thinking faithfully, thinking theologically, knowing the sound of the voice of God, knowing how Jesus would speak if he were standing next to us, it's all kind of foreign. It's all kind of guesswork because the best we have is secondhand experience, a secondhand faith. When, when, when somebody asks us a, a question about what God's like, we think, oh, maybe I better go run and ask the pastor or go ask my mom because they know more than I do. And I want us to think about what it's like to have a firsthand faith, to look at stories in the scriptures of people having a firsthand experience of the presence of God and ask, could that be for me here and now today? Let's pray. Jesus, open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word, that it might plant in our hearts and grow deep roots and bear much fruit. May the fruit that it bears be the fruit of the Spirit. May the Spirit speak into our hearts and lives and shape our character and guide our decisions and empower us for supernatural things. Jesus, send your spirit that we might know you more. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I want to look at a biblical text today about somebody having a secondhand experience of God. This is in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And I'm going to summarize a good part of this story because the story is very long. And there's a particular section of it I want to focus in on. So I'm going to summarize the story to preface us for the part we're going to read. This is a story about Jesus in Samaria. And remember, the Samaritans were the unclean people, the people who had parted company with the Jewish people centuries before. And so Jewish people did not associate with Samaritans. They lived in the wrong place. They worshiped at the wrong temple. They believed the wrong things. They were unclean. They were like the Gentiles. And so the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. On top of that, a Jewish man would never be seen in the streets talking to a woman because everyone would talk. That was scandalous behavior. Men and women were not supposed to share company like that. So Jesus stops at a well and begins to talk to a Samaritan woman. And she immediately points out, I'm a Samaritan woman, you're a Jewish man, why are you doing this? Jesus asks her for a drink from the well. And he says, if you knew who was talking to you, you would know I could give you water that would never run out, water that would quench your thirst forever, rivers of living water. She starts to 
hone in on the fact that he's somebody kind of different. And she begins to ask him a church question. The Jewish people believe we should worship in one place. Samaritans believe we should worship in another place. What's right? Now, that's a secondhand faith kind of question. Jesus is trying to engage her in a first-person encounter. He is God in the flesh walking, in the, walking the earth. And she only knows to ask secondhand questions. What's the right way to do church? He says, go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then he demonstrates the gift of prophecy and says, that's right. You've had five and the one you have now is not your husband. He, he knows things about her that he could not know in a natural way because they've never encountered each other before. And in doing that, she acknowledges that he's a prophet. Well, now she goes off to the surrounding country to tell all of the other Samaritans that she's encountered someone who knows everything about her. This is where we pick up at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This is a first-hand experience of faith. She goes from having a second-hand experience of faith to a first-hand experience of Jesus encountering him in the flesh. She then goes and passes on her first-hand story to the other Samaritans, which becomes their second-hand story. They've heard from her that there's some guy who's a prophet who could tell her everything she ever did and yet seem to want to engage her in relationship anyway. They go and find Jesus and have a firsthand experience of him themselves. Now, this actually captures the experience that most of us have. Most of us grow up with a secondhand kind of faith. I heard it at church. I heard it from my parents. I heard it in the culture around me. I went to a youth group. I went to a vacation Bible school. At some point, I sort of picked it up. But it was still the thing they did over there. It was the thing they did at church. It was the thing that other people believed in, and I kind of liked it, but I was always on the fringes. I was always an outsider. It was never quite mine. And some of us sitting in church today still feel like this. I'm here in church, but I'm listening to someone else's experience in the hopes that I get enough from it that it sustains me. A lot of people approach the Bible as though the last chapter on the last page of the book of Revelation at the end was God's letter of resignation. God at the end of the Bible said, well, I'm done. That's all you get. I've written you a book. I hope you're good at reading comprehension. See you on the flip side, people. And then he's done. And there's no more firsthand experiences of God because it's all contained in a book. And our job now is just to read the book. Well, God actually wants to engage us in a firsthand experience of faith. Some of us didn't actually grow up with secondhand experiences of faith. We actually grew up with firsthand experiences of faith because you just naturally believed. You had the spiritual gift of faith. 
You grew up believing naturally. People told you about God and you thought, well, of course that's the way it is. That makes perfect sense. And belief came to you naturally and you never had trouble praying. In fact, from a very young age, and I see this in certain kids, they just love praying. They'll pray all the time. They volunteer to pray at the dinner table because they want to be the one to pray. They believe that their prayers will be answered and often they are. And some of you are like this. You have the spiritual gift of faith. You grew up with a natural firsthand awareness of the presence of God and you're absolutely happy for it. You enjoyed it and you were, it was pleasant and I hate you <laughs> because you never had to wrestle and doubt and doubt whether or not God was there to care for you and doubt yourself because you were doubting. You never had to struggle through all that and look at you just sitting there right now, still happy. <laughs> what you have is a wonderful thing. It's a spiritual gift. The Bible describes spiritual gifts, and some of them are practical, like teaching and leadership, and some of them are mystical, like prophecy and healing. And faith is one of those. Some people just naturally have the gift of faith, and I don't know why not everyone does, but some do. And if that is your gift, spread it around as far as you can. Share your faith with other people. Talk to people about Jesus. Invite them to church, but don't just invite them to church. Share with them how you live a life of faith because you have a wonderful gift. When, when Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, doubted that Jesus had risen from the dead, and he said to the other disciples, I will not believe that he rose from the dead until I see the nail marks in his hands. I'm not gonna believe until I see them for myself. Jesus came and presented himself to Thomas and went, Look, Thomas, it's me. And then Jesus said this famous line that you've heard quoted before, this famous line he said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And the word blessed is kind of a fancy stained glass word. The Greek word here is makarios, which means happy. That's what Jesus says. Happy are those who just naturally believe without having to see it in the flesh. Happy are they. And he's right. If you have the spiritual gift of faith, you know that's true. You absolutely find contentment in your natural belief that God is there and God provides for you and God listens to you and God watches over you and God will take care of you. Look at you just sitting there being happy and smug, full of yourself. <laughs> I guess we'll have to tolerate you. You have a wonderful gift. Spread that around as far as you can. Some people have just this natural firsthand experience of faith, but most of us, most of us have a secondhand experience of faith. Most of us are like the Samaritans. We heard from someone else that they encountered Jesus and had this dramatic experience with him. And I guess it must be real because we heard it from that person. But there's something powerful about saying, now I'm going to go find Jesus myself. If people really can encounter him in this life, I want to encounter him. I don't want to settle for secondhand faith. I want something stronger and bigger and more than that. Well, now listen. When you come to believe in Jesus, you, you're given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a seal that marks you as belonging to the family of God. You are saved. You are heaven bound. You're chosen. You're good. And the Holy Spirit will never force you into anything else. The Holy Spirit doesn't force. It invites. But if you sit at a point in your life where you say, I've always kind of lived with a secondhand experience of faith. And I feel like my faith would be stronger with a firsthand experience of faith. 
it's time to seek that out. There are two ways that I've seen firsthand experiences of faith come about. One of them is by accident, by surprise, and the other one is intentional, on purpose. The accidental ones, the surprise ones, are like the Apostle Paul. He was going around killing Christians. He was going around persecuting Christians because he thought Christianity was a heresy that was polluting the Jewish faith. So he went around arresting Christians and even made the first Christian martyr out of Stephen. And then Jesus appeared to him one day and knocked him down with a bright light and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And Paul became the great preacher and church planner of the first century world, the one who wrote 13 of the letters in our Bible. And I don't know why God chose Paul and not the guy standing right next to Paul. But sometimes God chooses to surprise people with an experience of faith. I hear it all the time from the Muslim world. When I talk to missionaries who serve in Muslim countries, majority Muslim countries, I always like to ask them this question. Have you ever met a Muslim person who had a dream about Jesus that caused them to seek Jesus out and then they became a Christian? And so far, my, my hit rate with that question is 100%. I have never met a missionary who served in a Muslim country who said, I've never met a Muslim who had a dream about Jesus and then became a Christian. All of them have. Because God is revealing himself in powerful ways in lands where the gospel is not freely preached. And God appears in dreams to Muslims to point them towards himself. I don't know why it's some and not all, but I know it's happening. It's just a surprise event. Or again, I've seen people have a, a surprise firsthand encounter of the spiritual in a, in a dark way. Uh, one of the, the questions I like to ask people when I sit down with them and get to know them is, have you ever had an experience that you thought was a little bit supernatural? You know, like answered prayer, or you felt like you saw an angel or a ghost or something. And I remember sitting uh, down over here at Clatch Coffee with a guy a few years ago, a uh, young guy, and I said, you ever had a, an experience that you thought was supernatural? And he said, no. Uh, now, my hit rate with this one is about 50%. About 50% of the people I talk to say yes, which is a remarkably high number based on the way most of us talk about it. We're afraid to share these stories because we don't want to look crazy, but about half the people I've talked to have had some experience that they would categorize as supernatural. So I asked him, he said, no, I don't think I've ever had an experience like that. And I said, oh, okay. And then the conversation kind of wandered around, and then he came back to it. A few minutes later, he came back and he goes, now, back to that question. He says, there was this one time where I was lying in my bed at night and I felt this weight on my chest like somebody was sitting on top of me and I couldn't sit up and I was having trouble breathing. And I looked across the room and I saw this like lizard looking thing that looked like some kind of a demon. And I just closed my eyes really tight and in a while it was gone. I guess it was just a dream, he said. Or it was a firsthand experience of something much darker. Because sometimes people have surprise encounters with the supernatural. And it's a firsthand experience of something that's beyond the physical world. But sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes people seek it out. It doesn't happen by surprise. People pursue it. Uh, this happens in the Bible, actually, in the book of Acts. This is in... Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, right? This, Jesus went to the Samaritans, to this woman, and she spread it around. She was actually the first evangelist in the New Testament. The first evangelist in the New Testament is a Samaritan woman. 
outcast, outsider, wrong group, wrong ethnicity, wrong gender, wrong beliefs. She becomes the first evangelist for Jesus in the New Testament. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. It's placed on you like a mark, a seal. It's God's way of saying, this one's mine. I'm gonna, in the end, I'm gonna come back for this one. This one's mine. When you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. But often we receive the Holy Spirit in an unempowered kind of way and we never turn the power switch on. It's ours. We just never do anything with it. In the book of Acts, when people received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, they prophesied, they healed people, they worked miracles. It radically transformed who they were as a people. They lived lives of generosity. They sold what they had and gave to anyone who had need. They lived daily to follow Jesus. Everything about them was transformed. It wasn't just a mark on them. It was a transformative, powerful experience. And you may still have the feeling that I, I have a secondhand faith and I, I, maybe even I know the Bible pretty well. I've done a lot of Bible studies because that's, that's where God revealed himself. But I feel like maybe there's people out there who have had an experience of faith that's somehow bigger than mine. Uh, I'll tell you my own experience of faith. Um, I've experienced a, a process of growing closer to Jesus over the course of my life. And in, in each season, I get a deeper revelation of Jesus that makes me look back and go, oh, I really didn't understand how big and important and powerful all this was. And it happens over and over again. And I'm always looking back and going, oh, I didn't have it figured out yet, which makes me wonder about how I'll look at today in a couple of years. But, but I remember I grew up in a, uh, as a child in a Christian family, and we went to church, and we prayed at the dinner table. And if you asked me, do you believe in God? I would say yes. And in an age-appropriate way, I believed all that I could believe. But, but then I got involved in a high school youth group, and the youth pastor really lived like Jesus. And it wasn't a big youth group. It was 10 kids. Part-time youth pastor, not full. Small events, not big events. Hydrox cookies, not Oreos. It was cheap. But, but I remember experiencing him and thinking, oh, Jesus is actually someone up close, not just off in the sky, up close to us. He's our friend. And I thought, oh, now I, now I really believe. And then I went to college and I joined a college fellowship group, which you should absolutely do. If you're going to college, you should join a Christian college fellowship group. And I, I learned discipleship there and I learned evangelism. I began to share my faith with other people. And I thought, oh, now I, now I really believe. I, I thought I believed before, but now I really believe. And then I started studying philosophy and I started studying the arguments for and against the existence of God. And I came to a deep, rational commitment that, that you could really see that God was there. And I thought, now I really believe. I, I thought I believed before, but now I really believe. And then I started to have some sort of mystical, firsthand experiences of God speaking to me. And I've shared some of these. If you've been attending Real Life Church or following the podcast at reallife.la, you know that uh, I've, I've shared some of these stories with you along the way. And... Um, I started to realize God actually speaks to us. I remember one uh, event years ago where I was going to a, a, a Christian conference 
And I was a, a speaker at one of the little breakout sessions at the conference, but, but leading up to the conference, I kept having this daydream that one of the main speakers on the main stage, in fact, the last guy on the last day wasn't gonna make it. And it just floated through my head like a daydream, but it, it came back again and, and again. I kept, I kept thinking, oh, th this, is actually, this is actually more than a daydream. And, and then as we got closer to it, I thought, and he's gonna be speaking on why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why I'd know that. I don't know why I'd think that. I mean, there's no way to know in advance that that's going on. But I felt it so clearly that I actually wrote it down. The last speaker on the last day is going to not be there. And he's supposed to speak on why bad things happen to good people. And I even planned my little breakout seminar on the topic why bad things happen to good people because I felt like maybe somebody there needed to hear it and that guy wasn't going to be there. Well, on the first night of the conference, we all gathered in this auditorium, thousands of people, and the MC stood up at the front and he said, we've had a change in the schedule. The last speaker on the last day missed his plane flight. And I opened the brochure and his topic was why bad things happen to good people. And, and there's no way to know weeks in advance that someone's going to miss their plane flight because the plane has not yet been missed. And I remember thinking, how on earth did that happen? That was a a hint of the gift of prophecy that you see Jesus demonstrating to the woman at the well. And then in 2019, I went to a, a conference in England called Naturally Supernatural. Uh, I actually didn't go because I wanted to go to the conference. I went because a friend of mine said, if you'll go, I'll pay for your plane ticket. And I thought, free trip to England. Sure, I'll go hang out in England. And I didn't even know that much about the conference. I didn't know what it was about, what they were teaching or doing. I just thought, this would be great. I'll hang out with some friends. I'll go to England. It'll be great. 2019. I was standing in this room preaching back then. And uh, when I got to the conference, uh, it was held out kind of in a farm. It was a giant barn-like building, uh, and big rainy, you know, rainy fields in England. And uh, I walked in the conference on the first night, and nobody had begun speaking yet. Nobody had taught anything, but the band was, the worship band was playing. And immediately after I walked in the door, I felt overwhelmed with a kind of experience like I had never had before. It was this deep rush of feeling loved in the core of my being like nothing I had ever experienced. And I, I began to weep and I, I couldn't help but kneel down and my body started to shake. And it went on for like an hour or two. And that week I had all kinds of prophetic experiences and it was a, it was a turning point in my experience of God and my pursuit of Jesus and my ministry. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus wants to have, wants us to have a firsthand encounter with his presence every single one of us. And we can seek it out intentionally. We can pray for it and invite it and ask others to pray for it for us. Now, I know some people get really excited when they hear that because you grew up in that kind of church and that's your jam. And that's what you've been waiting for and you want that. 
Some of us get really nervous about that because we look at expressive faith like the the auntie who comes to Christmas dinner who's always kind of on an emotional ride and you know that during Christmas dinner she's gonna cry at least twice and she's gonna hug you about one time too many and laugh too loud at everybody's jokes. And when she walks in the door, you look at her and you go, oh, oh no, she's here. I hope she's taking her meds. Because that's how some people look at expressive faith in charismatic Christianity. They look at it and they think that is theology that hasn't taken its meds. But the reality is what Jesus wants for us is a deep personal encounter with his love to step into his presence and know how real and how powerful and how loving he is, that the God of all the universe is on our side, that he will never leave us alone. He is with us at every moment and that every need we have, every care we have is in his hands and on his mind. And he wants us to experience that firsthand. He wants us to live into that experience to dwell in his presence because it's so much more powerful than just taking someone else's word for it. Jesus wants for us to come to the place where we say, I no longer believe it because you told me. I now believe it because I've heard it myself. And I know that this man is the savior of the world. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you would step down from the glories of heaven to experience the humility of humanity so that we could see you and know you and grow close to you and hear you. I thank you for the scriptures that capture your word to us. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us. For those who are ready, because the Holy Spirit never forces, it only invites. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in. We invite you to live in us and empower us and reveal yourself to us so that we can live more fully for Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.